Good morning, entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Non-Corporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. You are watching Entrepreneurs, a show where Dustin and I debate the top six trending small business headlines for three minutes each. We each give our takes and uh, I uh, skip out of here because I'm happy that I beat you again. It's so hard to even say that. I mean, obviously, people know it's not true if if it takes that much effort to even say that you won. So, I mean, it's uh, I tip my cap for for the effort, though. Oh well, I appreciate that. Well, uh, we're happy that you guys are with us on a Friday morning, and uh, we are looking forward to getting right into this. So, uh, without further ado, uh, getting into our first story. So there was an antitrust panel. Uh, it was great TV on Wednesday, uh, congressional hearing, uh, where the Facebook's, the Google, Apple, and Amazon's CEOs were, uh, you know, repeatedly asked questions. And, uh, it, one thing that came up was, uh, this whole, uh, concept of, Facebook being a monopoly because of its purchase of Instagram and WhatsApp. And uh, this is a hot topic of discussion. You know, there's a lot of different schools of thought here. Um, But, you know, the whole idea is that is Facebook impeding on the American dream by buying up any competitor that could harm them? Um, Mark Zuckerberg was support uh, was uh, reportedly in his email, they they found that he said Instagram can hurt us, um, and the way to look at this is that we're buying time by buying Instagram. And so the writing seems to be on the wall that uh, this is anti-competitive behavior. Dustin, what are your thoughts on how this is impeding the American dream, and uh, is Facebook really a monopoly because of their purchase of these two companies? Well, I mean, it's uh, the American dream is to uh, you know start a business, get a house, and turn around and sell that business for money. So, I mean, that's basically what Facebook is doing is buying who would be competitors, and so that they're kind of fueling the American dream. That being said, I mean, acquisitions happen all the time, and and they're they're strategic. And I mean, that's at the time mm-hmm. you could say that they're buying competitors. Sure, they are, but you know the 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 antitrust act is really to protect consumers against creating those monopolies. But I mean, you still have Twitter, you still have LinkedIn, you still have Pinterest and the list goes on Google plus. I mean, as we all laugh about that, but it's still a social channel as much as they tout it to be. Um, so, I mean, there, there's plenty of competition out there. I mean, that to me, it's, it's a smart business move. It's uh, you're, you're acquiring those who might be a competitor. And I it's, mean, it's uh, I look at this as a risk, you know, WhatsApp has 1.6 billion users. Instagram has over a billion users. Facebook has 2.2 billion users or somewhere around that number. Um, this is a lot of reach. And I, I mean, you, you mentioned Twitter, with 300 million users. You mentioned LinkedIn with roughly the same. And now think back to when Instagram's deal happened in 2012, WhatsApp deal happened in 2014. You know, the social media landscape looked a little bit different back then. You didn't have TikTok, you didn't have these other companies. So are we just now catching something six, seven years down the road that probably should have been addressed then if it was going to be addressed? And I think that, you know, having a delay of that magnitude between uh, recognizing that there's a flawed policy and, you know, a deal like that going through, I think is is a bigger issue. Oh, again, I, I think there are smart moves back then. They weren't as big as they were. Facebook just did a great job at, at executing at two different businesses. And, uh, They've grown it to what what it is today, and at the end of the day, the the antitrust act, you know, helps the consumer. 
all the platforms are free for the consumer. So the consumer is not being hurt. And that's the whole protection of what that is. Again, what I've mentioned is I think what we need to do is talk about who this Privacy Act is 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 helping out because it's the advertisers. At the end of the day, the business model is to sell advertising space. So the consumer, the one actually using the platforms, they're not being hurt at all. Well, it's because they don't know they're. I, all I'll say is that I didn't even mention the copying of all the other products and putting them on there if they don't acquire them. So, <laughs> I you know. Uh, they have a uh, real is going to be fake TikTok. Uh, anyway, uh, getting into our next story, uh, a third of small business owners have tapped into personal funds to stay afloat. Recent survey um, from Reuters and uh, roughly 35% of uh, small business owners um, out of the 70% of those 35% of small business owners have leaned into one of the following. Um, we're looking at, you know, just reading the numbers here, personal credit cards, 24% of survey uh, we're using um, business credit cards, personal saving accounts, business saving accounts. Um, so, you know, I guess my question to you, Dustin is when is this money going to run out? And if, if small business owners are continuing to tap into their personal funds, this doesn't include the people that have already kind of, started collecting unemployment or shut the door instead of tapping into their personal funds. So, you know, what does this say? And uh, is the runway shrinking? Is the runway going to start to expand again? Or like, what are your thoughts here? No, I mean, the, the runway is definitely shrinking and it's crazy to see how many people are dipping into personal savings and, and whatnot. I mean, you know, we've had uh, mortgage forbearance for a couple months now that's coming to an end. Uh, mortgage companies just start asking for dollar or for their, uh, Missed mortgage payments, unemployment's coming to an end unless uh, Washington can do something. I mean, it's it's all the signs of not a good future. And I mean, it's uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you only have so much runway with your savings, and there's only so much that we can do in terms of printing money um, before we just start, you know, driving up inflation and and uh, the dollar doesn't mean as much anymore. And so it's trying to find that balance of how much cushion do you give people. And uh, I mean unemployment is is still up i mean granted it's come down every month the last three months but it's still pretty pretty high up there and and uh well the things that really trouble me too are that we're tapping into uh 24% of survey respondents said their personal credit cards 20% of uh survey respondents said their business credit cards so now we're on borrowed time. You know, yeah. we know what these APRs can look like depending on the credit card that you have, whether it's personal or business. And so, you know, if we're going to now get into this borrowed time and we're going to just keep using the credit card, those interest payments are going to really slam people. And if they couldn't afford doing business now, then, you know, are they going to be around in six months? Are they going to be worse off by having, you know, that much uh, burying them if they if they're going to use all of the limit on their credit card to stay afloat. Yeah, I mean with these numbers, I guess uh, time to go invest in Amex and uh, Discover and and Shoot. whatnot. But yeah, I mean it's it's borrowed time and sure it helps with cash flow. But you know I think everyone's banking on all right. We only have one more month of this. We only have one more month. I mean it's uh, I remember at the beginning it was like man we're we're gonna die if we can't make it two months and here we are what yep. four months later now and and uh, things don't seem to to be getting better but. Um, when 30% use the triple P as a part of this and 9% use a different type of loan. So, I mean, whether it's a credit card or a loan. Yeah. I have seen, uh, recently that they're talking about as PPP, uh, kind of curbs, um, people taking it, um, private business loans have, uh, increased quite a bit or substantially in the last couple of weeks. And so, yeah, people are borrowing. It's, uh, it's only so much runway though. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, well getting into our next story, uh, 
Going back to the antitrust uh, hearing on Wednesday, um, Jeff Bezos can't promise Amazon's employees don't access independent seller data. This is a big topic of discussion. Over a million people are Amazon sellers, and uh, the marketplace for Amazon uh, is generating almost double what AWS generates, around $60 billion uh, in revenue. And so this is a very hot topic of discussion. Is Amazon just the platform or are they actually allowed to look at this seller data and see what, what things are trending and see the pricing on things and then undercut those uh, people in their market and push them out? Dustin, what are your thoughts on um, the responsibility of Amazon here and you know, how do you see this playing out? You know, it's interesting because it's uh, they're they're essentially allowing others to sell their product on their platform. They get data. They then make a white label product, um, sell it for a little bit cheaper. They know who to reach because they have the data and can essentially push out the competition. Um, I guess I I'm not too familiar with all this, but I mean, how does that not kind of compare to Walmart? I mean, you got everyone that is on their shelves. They get data on on uh, what's selling, what's not, and then they have their own private label, right. um, you know, line. And so, I mean, I guess how is that any different? Yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing is that they're they're putting in purchase orders for the products. You know, this is something where Amazon sellers are fronting the product that they're the hardest part about this is finding and sourcing the correct product that's actually got a, a need for it and then getting that at a good price and being able to make money off of that and so with amazon sellers doing that work and then just shipping the products directly to the amazon warehouse um you know more often than not is 60 of amazon sellers are now doing that um you know it comes down to they're fronting the product to Amazon and Amazon is now saying, by the way, we made, we don't need you to keep fronting it anymore. We've made it ourselves by. And uh, so it's like almost like insider trading that they're using the data on a marketplace where 30% of those searches, 30% plus of the searches for products start there. You know, they've got the actual marketplace and then they've got, you know, the sellers, it's, it becomes an insider trading thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes back to what this antitrust uh, hearings are, are doing. It's, uh, you know, from a business perspective, there's no law on it. It's, it's, it's genius. Um, but if, you know, if it's, uh, if people have pushback on it, then I think there needs to be some regulation around how the data that flows into your business, how you're able to actually leverage that. Because I mean, it's it's to me, if you create a platform, you're getting the data and you have the ability to, to make a white label product. I mean, by all means, take advantage of it. That's that that's the American dream. That's innovative. But if people aren't uh, you know a fan of that model, then it's uh, how do we regulate what companies can do from the data they're collecting on their platform from the, the sellers, the customers and all that. Because I mean, to your point, it's. They get they have all the data and and I mean that's how you make the best decisions is having the that sellers data. are getting gypped because they're not getting that data they don't have access to that data and so uh, I think Shopify is going to come into the fold and and Amazon Shopify, baby. Amazon better Amazon better pick it up or we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be seeing some Shopify movers so uh, but yeah before we get into our next story I want to mention that we are powered by State Forty Eight. State 48, thank you for working with us. Uh, you know, this is uh, an incredible organization. They do some amazing partnerships. Uh, really proud to have them be a part of our uh, Arizona ecosystem. Dustin, do you have anything you want to mention about State 48? Yep, they got uh, Clothing for All inspired by Arizona. They, uh, man, been watching the comments. They've recently dropped uh, two collaborations with ASU and U of A, and the comments are great. Make sure to check them out on social media at State 48. Love it. 
So going into our, our next story. So we've been talking a lot about the Facebook ad boycott. Um, you know, the major brands um, that took part of it actually accounts for about 6% of Facebook's overall revenue. Um, at the end of the day, the, the boycott demands were, were not met. And from all that, pulling the budget and, and whatnot, they actually saw their uh, their ad revenue grow in July. Um, this is attributed to small businesses not being able to pull out. They're seeing great success, and so I mean they they uh, increased their revenue, and so ultimately they they weren't hurt from a financial standpoint. Um, but I mean they they are making some moves on on getting moderators and whatnot. So I mean at the end of the day, this boycott did it did it do its job, or uh, you know is it just a bunch of noise? Yeah, well, I mean, I think yeah, the the earnings came out this morning, and Facebook's up like nine percent. Uh, their user numbers are up. Their revenue from ads is up, uh, and it's really the golden hour for Facebook right now, and really social media as a whole with um, everything that's happened with COVID and people staying at home, working remote. So, I mean, I think that it makes sense that this trend is going to continue to proliferate. And uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Again, I mean, got to give him credit. You know, he uh, was unwavering in the as a wartime CEO, and I think that uh, he he's done a good job of kind of managing expectations. And honestly, like as much as I always kind of want to read between the lines and make sure things are really happening. I can't trust somebody like Twitter or somebody like uh, LinkedIn to really make the change as it relates to content moderation. Twitter came out, I think, in 2019 and said that. Uh, they had about a 39% detection rate on hate speech when something is posted and then everything has to be reviewed by a human. And that's a much smaller revenue company than Facebook. They, can, they can't afford to hire nearly as many people. So Facebook's really the one that's going to be catalyzing this shift and they've hired over 30,000 people. I think there's still a lot of work to be done, but if anybody's going to make the change, it's them. And it's definitely on their radar based off of their antitrust hearing on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, we talked about data-driven decisions. Uh, as all these companies were uh, mouthing off and everything like that, I mean, how how big of a smile do you think uh, Zucks had just going, <laughs> you know, day by day, we're seeing how much revenue uh, and it keeps going up. So you guys keep uh, keep talking. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it's just made his ego that much bigger because it's he had so many people yelling at him, do this, do that. And, and he kept a stance. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, though, it, people were heard because, I mean, like you mentioned, they're, uh, they're hiring more moderators, whether... You know, it's comparable to Twitter or if it's enough, that's that's going to be questionable. But at least they're they're heading the right direction. And and I mean, I go back to what I mentioned before, the uh, the AI. I mean, they got the the red team. I mean, I think it's going to be a, a, a yeah. healthy synergy using AI to detect it and then bring in the human element to really make that final decision. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it'll be interesting, but uh, you got to put a little bit of faith in them at this stage of the game and just hope that uh, they've got the right intentions here. I mean. You know, with so much attention on Facebook and social media, it, they really truly have an obligation. And I think that those big name brands that were getting dropped, like Starbucks and Coca Cola boycotting, I think just that alone brought enough recognition to this uh, um, whole story. So, you yeah. know. So, going on to our next story. So, Facebook's default limited data use uh, period ends August 1st. Um, and this is really um, how their pixel is collecting data in California. Um, right now, it's defaulted for everyone. And really, what it's to do is to, to put you in line with the CCPA Act. Um, California has uh, passed a Data per Privacy Act or Protection Act. Um, but right now, everyone's pixel is defaulted on August 1st. It'll turn off. And so, Really, all you have to do is go in and add a little piece of code. But really, where I'm going with this story is that, uh, you know, there's been, uh, I can't remember his name, 
he basically manages Nike, um, Hugo Boss, and a couple of their big ad budgets. And from this, um, their their conversion rates have declined. Their cost per conversion has gone up. Uh, the overall U.S. advertising allocation in California accounted for about ten percent of, of total marketing dollars. Has now dropped to five and a half percent. And really, they're attributing that we can collect less data, so we have less personalized ads, and people are not buying. And so. The two pieces of this, make sure to update your Facebook pixel if, if uh, you're advertising in California. But I mean, what, what does all this do for the digital advertising industry? I mean, is this good for consumers? Is this bad for consumers? Um, what are your thoughts, Chaz? I mean, you know, they need to be more transparent about what is being taken. I think the CCPA, as you know, now people are kind of looking at it as a bit extreme. But I think that, you know, the, the change, the face change needed to happen to let people know, here's what data is being collected. And you have the ability to choose how personalized or not that this is going to be for you as an experience. And so, I mean, again, this is going to be a state by state implementation. And, and we're seeing it in California, which is always very proactive to change. And so um, it's going to slowly kind of drip out and we'll see kind of if it's on the ballot here in Arizona or what that looks like for other states. But, you know, overall, I mean, as much as I can see that it could help a, a consumer, um, I think that these companies can't be solely reliant on a Facebook pixel, right? Like you need to have an exterior data source where you're getting people into your CRM and you're keeping track of them um, outside of the pixel, outside of these social networks. They should be a way to help you with your marketing and pour gas in the fire for your marketing, but they shouldn't be something you're solely reliant on anyway. Yep. No, I love it. Work on your first party data. That's what it comes down to. I mean, yeah. it's uh, the pixel. It, it's awesome. But I mean, it's I see what it's doing, trying to protect consumers. But I mean, my thing is with with sales going down, I mean, it's everyone can agree that they don't like advertisements, but more people can say, I hate when I see complete irrelevant ads. And that's all this is going to cause right. because uh, don't, we don't have as much data to serve the ads. But from a marketing perspective, it's you know, so many people in the space are getting upset. It's like, oh, it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder. And and I love that because now it's only the best are going to win. You got to you got to produce good creative. You have to work on that first party data. And that's how you drive the personalization. So it's uh, those who are good will win. And that's what I'm pumped about. <laughs> <laughs> so on to our next story, uh, Australia, they're uh, they're going to talk about passing a law where it'll make Google and Facebook pay for the news content that they distribute on their platform. So. I know everyone tries to, to create pages that make it to the first page of Google. Um, and really, they're trying to work with uh, the news, news sources where someone like CNN, they post something, it gets indexed on Google, it shows up. Google's leveraging that content to drive people to their platform. And so what they're saying is these companies should be compensated for that. Granted, this is not the US, this is Australia. Um, they, they mentioned that uh, if they don't comply, that there is a going to be a 7.2 million dollar um fine and to me that that's pennies in the bucket but i mean what are your thoughts on this i mean should should these platforms that are sourcing other people's content be charged to to show it i mean ultimately they're they're making revenue by having this content that's and it goes back to kind of the example that we saw with uh with amazon and the and the sellers right i i think that looking at this it's a fundamental shift in our 
like in our expectation of what Google is. Google is the platform where the content is served. And by being the platform and the publisher, there's going to be a lot of conflicts of interest. And if they have data and, and inside, they, they've shown that they'll rank their sites that are owned by them or the sites that are incentivized by uh, Google AdWords um, at, at the top. And so, you know, I think that if these companies like CNN or these, these uh, Australian media companies are driving legitimate traffic through Google, Google is just a mechanism to reach, you know, that, that news publisher, as opposed to the reason that somebody would reach it is only because it is Google. So I think there's definitely some, uh, some more conversation needs to happen, but I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to see, uh, how this can kind of be pitched and applied to the U S in some way. Yeah, no, it's funny. I mean, to your point, it's like, you know, Google's taking our content and, and driving attention there. So it's like, well, let's let's not make it indexed by Google. But then it's like, well, now we don't have any traffic come to our site. So now we got to use Google ads to uh, drive drive the traffic. So now either way, they're going to make their money because uh, you need that traffic to your website. I mean, most of these news uh, publications, that's how they make their money is, is serving ads. And to your point, that's how Google could be prioritizing it. It's like small business news. Whenever we, we do this and try and look for articles, that's the first thing I look for. If you have two different websites, website A has Google ads on it, website B doesn't, they're going to serve website A because more people are going to go to it, which then ads are served. They're now lining their pockets with well, that, just, that ad revenue. Yeah. I just wonder if there's a way that another search engine can I, play that, ball at this point, you know? But how do you create that? It's everyone is so used to that. I mean, it's like, it, it's tough because it's like, sure. They, I mean, they've created a genius business model. I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal. Well, of, that then you're, you're saying that you're not going to Google to to go to Google, you're going to Google to find small business news. And so it's just like, you're at the mercy of Google to do that as your mechanism. But you know, it's like, what are you really there for? Is it Google's platform or is it you discovering something else through them? And yeah. And I mean, who's that fault? Because Google made such a good product or platform that, I mean, you got DuckDuckGo, you got Bing, there's, there's plenty of other, other platforms out there, but it's like, how, how do you, how do you regulate it? It's, it's yeah. tough. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, this publisher platform type of conversation is can be applied to any of these antitrust uh, companies. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's going to take raising awareness. And I think that's what was done on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, if you guys haven't watched that, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, very informative. A lot of a lot of impact on small business there um, and a lot of great things brought to the table in terms of, uh, you know, recommendations by Congress. But um, yeah, I'm, I mean, looking back at the stories, I, I really look at uh, this uh, this whole thing about um, small business owners tapping into their personal funds and taking loans and taking credit cards as a very risky trend right now. Um, I, I think that uh, it's it's surprising to me to see that high of a number. Thirty five percent of of small business owners that are still alive are now t dipping into those things as opposed to using their profits or you know, at least breaking even. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big risk. Yeah. No, mine is a combo of, uh, Facebook buying Instagram and, and Amazon, just the whole antitrust thing. I think, you know, everyone can agree that there is some abusive data. Um, I don't think people are going to be indicted or anything right now, but I think what it's going to do is just cause more conversation. I think, uh, updated laws will be passed. So I'm excited to see what those are. How, how they help consumers while also allowing huge people. implications yeah, on small business yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot to think through and I, I'm excited to see the evolution of the conversation. Think about those four big companies as so far away from us as small business owners, but <laughs> yeah. at the same time, you know, 
the decisions that are made there are direct implications to small business owners. So uh, I'm glad that awareness is being brought. And uh, thank you guys for for being with us. Uh, again, you've been watching the Non-Corporate Network, the worldwide leader in entrepreneurship. This is Entrepreneurs. Um, if you want to start your own uh, your own show, you want to get out your own stories, check us out at ncnbroadcast.com. Um, reach out to us. We want to help you to be able to do that. Uh, and check us out. Uh, if you can't be watching us, hopefully you're listening to us. Uh, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Entrepreneurs. We are going to be back on Monday. We do this Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So um, want to keep everybody informed and give you an unbiased source of news. So um, with that, Dustin, do you uh, want to add something? No, it's pretty cool. Uh, right before we started this, I actually got a notification from uh, our, our recent episode on iTunes. So it's kind of cool to see. Please so like, sure. subscribe, yeah. check us out on social media. And uh, yeah, we will be back here on Monday. But thank you again for being with us. My name is Chaz Vandemeyer. Dustin Trout. We'll see you next time. Boom.